After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to the Baseball America podcast. Baseball America, bringing you baseball news you can't get anywhere else for more than 35 years. Now it's time to talk baseball. Welcome to this special edition podcast of the Arizona Fall League, sponsored by Bowman the first place to find the game's future stars. Visit Tops.com for the latest news on Bowman Baseball trading cards. Well, we're back here with Kyle Glazer, who is back from the World Series, where he saw the Astros get past the Dodgers in an epic World Series. And now he's going to be on the road at the the, the Fall League. So we're going to send him out there. I went to the first week of the Fall League, and he's getting, I think, the fifth week of the Fall League, post-Fall Stars game. So he's going to see... A few different guys, and we'll start by talking about one of those guys that I didn't get to see that he will. Uh, what are you are, are you excited to see uh, Victor Robles out there for the, the Nationals in Mesa? First of all, Josh, thanks for uh, leading us in. And yeah, Victor Robles is obviously a guy that a lot of fans have been uh, excited about for a while now. He obviously was on the Nationals postseason roster, and that was really an incredible testament uh, to the player he's become. I remember watching him here earlier this year the high Carolina League, and uh, two or three months later, he's in the majors. This is going to be a really interesting guy to just see develop moving forward. Um, obviously, he uh, was the Fall Stars MVP after not being in the Fall League for too long. I do think this is a guy that, when we have our discussions about the top prospects in the game next year, uh, he's already a top 10 prospect, and I think he'll at least get some conversational topic points uh, as maybe our number one or two overall guy. I'm definitely excited to see him in, in a larger sample. We got to see him here uh, when he came through uh, with uh, Potomac, but uh, it was only you know, four at-bats and whatnot. So going to the Fall League, I'll try and circle back to see him two, maybe three times, and really get a feel for him. Obviously, this is a very talented young kid. Uh, I'm going to be looking for some of the natural strides you want to see a guy make with the bat, some of the strides. One of the issues with that he's had is uh, he ran into a lot of outs, even though he has a lot of speed. So just seeing if he can fine-tune some things on the base pass and – at the end of the day, though, you're kind of nitpicking. This is a guy who's done everything you could have asked him to do at every level he's been at so far, and there's no reason to expect him to just suddenly stop. Yeah, he was, for us, the top prospect in two different leagues, odd enough leagues I rode. He was um, behind Eloy Jimenez in the Carolina League for number two and behind Honor- oh, uh, Rafael Devers in the Eastern League for... Not two number- guys to, too bad to be behind. Right. And, you know, I think he's going to be really happy that you're watching him and not me. Whenever I see him, he gets injured. I saw him <laughs> once this year. He had one at bat. No, he had two at bats, but he got hit in his first at bat and had to leave shortly thereafter. Um, I've seen him run into a wall and have to leave. I've seen him get hit with another pitch and have to leave. And then there was one game I came and he had one at bat, and then it was a three-hour rain delay. And I left. 
to go watch Jo Barrios in, Dur in Durham instead of sitting and watching him in Greensboro, where it somehow wasn't raining in Durham. So I think I've seen him four games and gotten maybe five ABs. <laughs> That's, wow, that is amazing luck. Yes, I'm, I'm sure he'll be happy to see me and not you. Uh, when I saw him come through here, I saw him, you know, got four at-bats from him. It was interesting. When I saw him, I remember thinking it was just maybe the angle I was sitting at. I remember thinking he was smaller than I expected physically, but then when he showed up at our prospect pad, you saw some of the size. So I, I, my one concern about him uh, turned out to not be an issue at all once we actually got to see him up close. So when uh, w one of the big talking points on him is power potential. And talking to people, what do you see for him? You know, I think it's not going to be his primary, you know, tool. It's always, to me, he's that leadoff hitter, steal a lot of bases. He'll hit power. He'll hit for power. I mean, it's not like he's going to be a zero or five home run guy. I think there's 10 to 15. And, you know, with the way uh, baseballs are right now, it might end up being 20 in there. But uh, to me, I think this is a guy, when I think of Victor Robles, I think of him batting one, Trey Turner batting two in the Nationals order. I don't see him batting three or four or five, replacing, you know, Harper, Rendon, Zimmerman, when, when Zimmerman's time comes. Uh, I really do think Robles is going to be more that center field, leadoff type, a lot of steals, a lot of doubles with, you know, enough home runs. But again, this isn't a guy who's going to be competing for batting uh, or home run titles. And he's, in that sense, he's, I think, different than Acuna, who you could see competing for both home run and stolen base titles. Eloy Jimenez, who I think we all think will be competing for home run titles annually. Uh, Robles is a little more that maybe, you know, Higher batting average, lost stolen bases, fewer home runs, fewer power output, but still more than enough to be a, a dynamic player for the Nationals in center field. So with that transition, we can you talked about he was the fall star game MVP. So you obviously watched at least some of that game, if not all, of, all of it. If not all of it. Um, what were your impressions from that game? You know, I, not this is going to sound self-serving. I thought it was kind of funny how after the fall stars game, it seemed like some other folks were like, you know, this Luis Arias kid might be pretty good. Josh? Who was the first guy I was pounding the table for as soon as BA hired me? Uh, well, it was Luis Urias, and you still hire him. We have a uh, a little bit of a wager on the BA bet board right now. You have him winning. I, I think he will. I, I, I am 100% confident he will be competing for batting tiles in his prime. The bet board is I do have him winning at least one. Before he's 32, I think, is the rule. Uh, yeah, which essentially figure when he gets within his first, his 10-year prime, he'll, he'll, I think he'll get one. And possibly, I, but it would not surprise me if he gets two or three. And as always in these type of things, I take the field. Right. You're taking I, one versus the field. I'm taking you take the field, the field every time. In your favor. <laughs> but no, this is a guy, I mean, it was kind of interesting for me to see. This was really the first time he was able to do something on kind of the, the national basis everyone was watching. He was on Team Mexico in the World Baseball Classic, but with the timing of some of those games, as well as the fact that he was the youngest player on that team. So he played a little bit, but he wasn't getting a ton of playing time. And then playing both, you know, high class A like Elsinore, double A San Antonio. He was available on MILB TV this year, but let's be honest, not a whole lot of people are watching MILB TV. Didn't make the Futures game, so uh, wasn't in a position for people to see him there. Now he's gone to the Fall League in this Fall Stars game. People saw just what he could do. He's a natural second baseman, made a great play at shortstop, showed the athleticism there. This is one of the best pure hitters in all of minor league baseball. And the thing with him, the question was always, is there going to be power? Is there going to be power? And what I've said for years is you take a guy with elite, elite hand-eye coordination, bat speed, incredible barrel control, doesn't chase, so he knows the pitches to hit and drive. We saw him take strides at the end of last year, slugged 505 the second half in the California League. Uh, it didn't come out this much uh, this year in the uh, in AA, but 
when you saw him take a 96 mile an hour fastball and hit it 416 feet at a 108 exit velocity. I think that was the emphatic answer that people uh, who were paying attention needed to know. He had shown flashes of it before. This was the time he did on a big stage. So I think for me, uh, Luis Urias, you know, his coming out party in some ways for, for the greater prospect world. Uh, another guy that really, really actually stood out to me um, that I wanted to talk a little bit about was Tanner Scott. I mean, this that is a guy. Uh, yeah, he texted I mean, me while I was trying to watch uh, some football at that point. You know, this is a guy that uh, you've had some scouts tell you outright, this guy is much better than people seem to think or give him credit for. And people already seem to think he's pretty good, given he was Futures Gamer, AFL Fall Stars. But the point stands, every time you see this guy, he does something to just make you shake your head and go, wow. Yeah, no, he's he's a very impressive young man. He's, you know, up to 100, 101 miles an hour. From, from the, the left, left side. side, yeah, sorry. From the left side and with a, a really nasty little slider that he's, you know, able to, to finish hitters with. Um, he does have to improve his command. He absolutely has to improve his command, and he did not look nearly as good against right-handed hitters as he does against lefties, which naturally... But the Orioles see him in the mold of a relief ace type. They started him every game this year, but they only went three innings every time. Maybe there was a couple deviations there, but the plan was always to go three innings every time in a, in a way to you know, get him to use all his pitches in different situations, runners on, runners off, you know, clean inning, et cetera, et cetera, to develop him into that Andrew Miller type of role. So when you see him, see him starting in the minor leagues, he's, he's not going to be a starter, period. You know, it's interesting. You mentioned the relief ace. I talked with someone else about this. The role, I'm not saying it's like this as a pitcher, but the role I kind of see him filling is maybe what Chris Davinsky has become with the Astros. A lot of those two, three innings, the occasional four-inning shutdown stint that we saw him do throughout the regular season. Obviously, the postseason was more one-inning stints, but he had a lot of multi-inning opportunities to go out there and shut guys down, and, and the Astros were able to lean on him. I do think Tanner Scott could end up playing a role like that for the Orioles, especially some of their starting pitching. There's some questions. If you have a guy like that who you can – carry in and, and and people say oh swing man and i think there's a little bit of a derogatory connotation to that a little bit mm-hmm. but if you're talking about having that guy who can give you three quality innings and out of the bullpen you know two sometimes three times a week depending on the situation that's incredibly valuable to have over the course of a full season and if tanner scott can get to that i think the orioles and everyone else should be thrilled yeah no i remember having a conversation with someone here at ba one of my first years about swing man roles and he said you know at that point they were basically dead and since i've been here it's only four years they've come back in a, in a weird way it's it's funny how things go in cycles sometimes exactly was everything old is new again yeah pretty much i mean <laughs> it wasn't too long ago the closure were going three innings goose gossage will tell you yeah he'll tell you every chance he gets <laughs> you know i think for me he was another guy um some other guys that were interesting another orioles guy you know ryan mountcastle seeing him pull his hands in on 99 miles an hour in off the play from Sandy Alcantara and lining it down the left field line. That was impressive to me. This is a guy who, you know, I think we've always known can hit. And obviously there's been a lot of questions about the defense. Where is he going to play? Thing is, if you have a bat, they'll make a spot for you. And he undeniably has a bat. I mean, we'll see. He's going to get his tests at the upper levels more, more than this year. He had a little bit of time in double A last year and he got eaten alive. But uh, still young, still high young, school absolutely. guy. I, I'm just saying, I, you see enough where I think I would say this: watching him at the Fall Stars, seeing him just do some of the little things he did, I'm like, okay, I can see this working out well. 
and that's just, you know, something where I think he's going to have to continue to develop, and I look forward to getting out there and seeing him on a larger sample size. Yeah, it's going to be interesting what kind of quality you get from these guys in week five of a like six, seven-month, eight-month season. Right, that's why it's kind of fun. You know, Josh and I, it's not an accident that he goes early, I go late. We plan it out this way to kind of get the different looks at guys, how they look at the start of something versus the end of something, because you're right, this is a grind, and you know, it's interesting. I, I want to get your perspective on it. I had this conversation with, with J.J. Cooper, our uh, new executive editor. Co-executive editor. Co-executive editor. That, for me, the way I view the Fall League, if a guy does really, really well there, I give him a lot of credit. If a guy really struggles, some of it's a case-by-case basis, and you have to see if the struggles are a continuation of something. But I'm not going to crush a guy who has a good season and then just struggles a little bit in the Fall League just because it's the end of the year. A lot of these guys are exhausted. A lot of these guys have been going since February. Minor leaguers recording, you know, a little earlier to camp. It's Although a long year. a lot year. of these guys don't have full years, and that's why they're in the full but, thing. But, but no, I see your general point. Right, and that's, where, and that's where the case-by-case basis comes in a little bit, just to see, okay, you know, but for a guy like, you know, Sandy Alcantara, some of the issues we've seen are continuations of previous issues where he has this electric stuff, but he leaves his fastball over the plate a lot. The secondary is wildly inconsistent. But he's still a guy who had a really nice second half in double-A, got to the majors, showed you the flashes that the swing and the stuff that will play at that level. The fact he's getting lit up in the fall league isn't going to make me say, oh, I, it's not dropping my opinion of him tremendously. My opinion was he had things to work on, and he's showing he still has things to work on. No, I mean, what I'm looking for in the fall league, A, in the first week you don't get a whole lot of strikes, so it's, <laughs> it's uh, hard to evaluate if that's what we do, pitchers. Um, but you're looking for skills. You're looking for tools. You're not looking for, I don't care about stat lines as long as uh, we're not going extra innings every day and having the international tiebreaker rule. Like with, with um, Clay Torres was the infielder, uh, was the infielder, the MVP last year. And the numbers were great. He almost won the triple crown of the slash line, the slash triple crown, or did, I don't remember. Um, but I mean, what will stick for me with him was the one at bat where we were about to go extra innings for like the third day in a row, and he was just not having it. He, you know, we have bases loaded, zero outs, and he just kept fighting, 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 picking through pitches that he wanted until he got the fastball that he could end the game on. Just, and it was like, you know what, that's a 19, 20-year-old kid. You know, and I think for me, what was as impressive was when I saw him was a three-for-four day. They're all singles. They were at all different fields. Mm-hmm. Different, different velocities, different all, all different pitchers, I believe. I need to go back and check. But And so I, I will say, look, performance does matter, but... Yes, you are looking for skills, you're looking for moments, you're looking for individual things. Uh, and again, it really is a player-by-player basis. Really, all these guys I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing and getting a feel for because some of these guys we've seen in person before, others just the geography of it uh, and the timing of some things we haven't. And the fall is, you know, I, I still think that as much as, obviously, making phone calls, check, looking at stat lines, running through, you know, past precedent with some of the other uh, previous prospects, it's all important to measure players, but nothing really replaces seeing these, seeing what these guys do. No, I, I, I can get that. And you know, some of those other guys, like um, Josh Graham, I hadn't seen for a while. When I saw him the first time, he was a duck, and he was still mm, raw. And then he throws this uh, this snap-off-the-table change-up in the first week of the fall. Like, hey, I remember that. That's still there. That's pretty cool. Or seeing you know Michael Chavis barrel everything. Uh or Ronald Acuna, do everything always, all the time. I could have a closed-circuit television feed on that guy 24-7, uh, 
and I would be I wouldn't still be enough Ronald Acuna. Like I can't and for the record, folks, Josh is ready to put Ronald Acuna in the Hall of Fame right now before they ever played a major league game. Just putting this out there. So I'm that, that, I'm that's the high where, man on Ronald Acuna in this office. I've never we been all more think he's a, in love with the prospect. <laughs> There's, uh, there's there's a reason I, I was chosen to do the Acuna feature. We had to keep Josh at least 10 feet away at all times. Well, you, you almost succeeded. There were those batting practice rounds. I'm pretty <laughs> sure I was nine feet. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think um, also he's a fantastic player. For you, I mean, it's been a few weeks since you've been back. You've had a couple weeks to stew on some things. And we all know sometimes you see things. You come back, you know, a couple weeks, think through some things. Just any thoughts for you on, on certain guys that, you know, with the, that week or two to go back and look over some tapes some videos I know you've done and, and even see these guys maybe a little bit fall stars game get just different things you see on TV, you know, angles-wise. Anything that's changed for you? I don't think anything really changed. I mean, I, I, I saw a lot of guys in the fall league that I needed to see again. Like, Justice Sheffield was a guy I do the Yankees list, and I hadn't seen him in some time. I don't think I'd ever seen him as a Yankee, and he was really, really good in that first game. Um, I... Didn't realize Mickey Janis was a knuckleballer until I saw Mickey Janis knuckling uh, while I was out there. Uh, we, we mentioned Michael Chavis. I mean, you always knew about the power potential, but you just watch the batting practice. And it's you, a and lot you, of loud people. And you listen to loud. the batting practice, and it's like, all right. Yeah, that's there's that old cliche of the different sound. But I also think it was because he's using a different bat than everybody else. But <laughs> <laughs> that may have had something to do with it. Um, well, there were, there were some other guys. I mean, I wanted to see Luis Guillorme continue to field like a devil and he he does i i like the fact that he's struck out once this fall league at least as of a couple days ago he might have done it once but it's one strikeout in 34 at bats the other day if you're a really good defensive shortstop with bat to ball skills yes that'll absolutely work yeah uh there was one day where it was uh him and kyle holder up the middle and it was like i don't think anything's getting through today Very, very true. I was wrong, but it, it was it was fun to think about. You know, there was one other guy that is kind of off the radar that intrigues me a little bit because I, I had him in the California League last year. And to be honest, I had forgotten about him a little bit until the Fall Stars game and watched a really strong at-bat he had. And that was Victor Reyes with the Diamondbacks. It's the guy who, first of all, has gotten more physical than mm-hmm. I remember him. I mean, watching him come up in the Fall Stars game, like, wait, that's Victor Reyes? He's gotten more physical. There was always something to really like there. There were some kinks that needed working out. He was always a guy of, let's keep an eye on him. I'm not going to, you know, pull the trigger yet. Um, but he showed me some things. I mean, it was that only one at bat, I think, falls for him. He fell off nine pitches or so, uh, facing, you know, good pitchers. It's just a guy that I saw that and said, okay, I want to go back out there and look at this guy a little bit closer because I remember what he looked like last spring at Visalia. Let's fast forward 18 months and see how the skills would develop, because just that little hint was enough to make me interested. Yeah, I mean, that's that's one guy that I think you kind of lit you up a little bit. I liked the Brewers crew. I mean, they had uh, Corey Ray out there. They have Monty Harrison. They had uh, they Lucas Erceg out there. And I thought it was... Um, uh, I, I, those guys, we got to see most of them, all of them at Carolina. I think all of them. Yeah, Carolina. You know, I didn't see Monte Harrison more than one game at Carolina for whatever reason this year. So I was really excited to see him, and he lived up to it. I mean, it's just uh, an electric package of skills. Dude can really play center field. I mean, he got on Sports Center like three times this year. I'm not kidding. Yeah, um, no, absolutely. Uh, and, you know, he's, he's fun to watch. I think he's, you know, head and shoulders above a couple of other guys in that org who are same position, your Trent Clarks, your Corey Rays. 
Monte Harrison now that he's finally healthy for the first time. I, I would agree with that. That's I would agree gonna, with that. Uh, going to shoot up the upper levels if he stays healthy and does what he can do. Absolutely. You know, the other guy that, you know, we talk about all these big names through the Fall League, and Francisco Mejia, as of this recording, leaped the Fall League in hitting. I mean, the guy's hitting 396, 412, 542. We all know he's a stud, but it almost is kind of amazing. He keeps keeps amazing a little bit, and especially after, you know, we heard this from evaluators, we heard this throughout that he really tired at the end of the year. He was not playing very well. You know, not anything that's going to, you know, red flag jump ship, but something you had to take note of. And for him to come out like this in the fall league, it's impressive. But he is really, really small. See, and this is where, so this is where the different philosophies. I'm more interested in is a guy strong within his frame. And he is. We've seen him produce power. We've seen him make consistent impact at the plate. I'm not concerned about him as a hitter. I'm concerned about him as a catcher. And, and again, for me, I'm more, okay, flexibility, strength within your frame. You know, Will Smith is not a big guy either. This is one of the best defensive catchers in the minor leagues. Well, he's way bigger than Francisco Mejia. When you not, look at him to, side by side. I've stood next to both. I mean, it's not like there's an enormous... There. I mean, Mejia's a smaller dude. There's no there, question there's about there's no him. question he wore down in the second half of the year. No question. And again, that's where I think it's going to be really, really fascinating to see the steps he can take because he's still young. He's still got some room to grow. I, I, To me, I've been impressed with Francisco Mejia. Again, we all know he can hit, but knowing you can hit and 396, 412, 542, out hitting the Ronald Acunas of the world, out hitting the Victor, well, Victor Rolls hasn't been there long enough, yeah. but the Acunas of the world, the Luis Urias's of the world, who we know are one of the top uh, top offensive players in the minors, the Esteban Floreals of the world, obviously different profile there. I mean, the fact that Mejia is out hitting all of them by quite a wide margin, facing, you know, same, playing the same fields, I'm impressed. Yeah, and I, he was also a guy I didn't see very often in the fall league this year for whatever reason. If I saw that team, I don't think he was playing very much, or he certainly wasn't working at third base very much either That in that early going. So I, I'd like to see what he can do at third base. Also, I mean, it, if, with you're in Cleveland, uh, they have Jan Gomes there, mm-hmm. so I don't know yeah. if they and they have Roberto, Roberto Perez. So I don't think they need a catcher just at this moment, um, but yeah, yeah, he's he's a hitter, and there was a reason he ranked as highly as he did in the Eastern League. I don't remember exactly where I put him, but and I know I ranked him pretty high in the well, we ranked him pretty high in the Carolina League last year. I don't know if I did it, but uh, yeah. you know, we we love Francisco Mejia, but there are questions. So I want to run through. You know, we talked a little bit earlier about not wanting to go too crazy on guys who have struggled a little bit, maybe, but. I do wonder how much concern you or anyone else might have. Kyle Tucker is not playing well. Corey or not hitting well. Corey Ray not hitting well. Bobby Bradley not hitting well. All these guys that have gone into the fall league, and again, it just has not been particularly good. Cornelius Randolph again not hitting well. Any of these guys who are either top prospects or have been top prospects at a certain point, does it concern you? As far as it's concerned with the the fall league isolated, no. But the Corey Ray has just had a bad year, had a bad year, period. He has played almost all of his game's career at high class A, be it Brevard County or uh, Carolina, and he has not shown something, our skills or numbers uh, worthy of the number five pick. We've both seen holes uh, that are pretty easy to identify, even for professional not a scouts like us. Um, it's, and like I said, I think Harrison has passed him in that organization. And I might take Clark 
over him in that organization just because I've seen 100 walks, almost 100 walks this year from Trent Clark, which shows me there's something there. He might not have hit for a high average, but I'll take the guy who at least has an idea of the strike zone at this point. Uh, and there, you've seen the power. I've seen the power potential uh, in spades from Clark. You know, opposite field would go 400 plus if there wasn't a video board in the way. Yeah, no, um, there's no question about it. I mean, Corey Ray um, has not been a good year, and it's continuing to not be a good year in the fall league. Just gotta. I, It'll be interesting to see what the Brewers decide to do with him if, if they bump him to double-A next year. Um, they, they just he, bought their affiliate out here so they can make any tweaks they want to to the equipment to help their guys. It'll it'll be interesting, that decision coming up. And Bradley, as of the other day, I don't know if it changed, but he was 25 strikeouts, zero walks. Uh, up to 26 and zero now. Okay. Um, there was when I saw him earlier in the fall league. Uh, I remember a long time ago I asked an outfielder named Slade Heathcott what kind of pitches were getting him in trouble. And he said, a baseball. And uh, that's where Bobby Bradley was. I saw him swing over curveballs. I saw him swing through fastballs. I saw him swing over changeups. If it came out of a pitcher's hand, he was swinging over it. And, you know, he's 20 years old. Teddy and I, Teddy Cahill, our college guy and I, who does the Indians list, had a conversation about him the other day. Yeah, he's 20 years old. Yeah, he's got massive raw power. And yeah, he's got pretty big in-game power too. And at that age that level to do the double a all of this year um there's still hope but the swing and miss is, is considerable of concern and that was something i remember last year when people asked us why isn't he a top 100 guy I said you know it's interesting there are guys who are high strikeout high power guys and high a who do end up doing well but when i went back and looked it's a lot of those guys that k rate was 27 percent, 28 percent. you know cody bellinger's the world guys like that that the 27, 20% range, you still will see some guys have success up to the majors. Once you start getting to that 32, 33, 34, the list of guys who struck out that much and ended up being successful big leaguers at, at, at a high level is close to non-existent. And Bradley's consistently been 33-ish. And let's not forget that Which, Bradley, again, a red Bellinger, flag. he's not Cody Bellinger at first base either. He's still a right. work in progress defensively too, so it's not like he's going to have a glove over there that will boost his value in the way, um, well, Mark Sherrill was a great offensive hitter, but uh, a good glove, tolerable bat. It'll be interesting to see. You know, one guy that, you know, it's tricky. Kyle Tucker, he's, a guy, again, it's a different situation because he had a good year. I remember seeing, just watching the side angle, and the amount of sweep in his bat. Yep, he's a bat sweeper. It Dream. concerned me mostly in the sense of, I can see it working okay for him now and getting away with it because he's still so young and has that such you know fast twitch. But as he got older, I'd be concerned if it slowed down a half a tick, it might give him a problem. And I, I'm going to be curious to see going out and watching him if that is the problem right now in the fall league. Again, I haven't seen it. I can't tell you either way. But it's one thing that, again, raise my eyebrow a little bit. And you're going to always give that, you know, the guy who's young for the level and performing, you're going to give him the benefit of the doubt. But... It, Again, just something I thought about, and I, I want to go see it for myself in the fall. Like, that'll be intriguing for me. No, you know, there's definitely some concerns with that swing. I've heard it from other scouts about, I can't remember exactly what the mechanical term was, but the, the way his hands and body worked were, uh, they gave you pause. And I like, personally, I like the looseness of his swing. I like the power it generates. I like that he was all the way up to double A this year as a 19, 20-year-old and did really, really well, if I remember correctly. So, I mean, he was our high school player of the year, too, a couple of years ago. There's the pedigrees there, and 
I think he's he's one that I wouldn't you know kill or anything. Yeah, I mean, two other guys that uh, going back to guys who are, are doing okay that are really interesting to me. Sean Murphy was incredible to watch defensively in the Cal League, and I I keep getting things on my Twitter feed. Did you see what Sean Murphy did behind the plate tonight? It's like, yeah, this guy is a monster behind the plate. You know what? You know, it was interesting. He hit really well in the Cal League, went to double A, did not hit well, but he's done okay for himself in the Fall League, 275 with a 393 on base percentage. Again, this is a guy, the power hasn't shown up in the Fall League, but if you play ridiculous defense, can hit 270 with close to a 400 on base, even if you take that down notch in the big leagues and that's 253. 360, that's a really good everyday catcher. That's an elite everyday catcher. Depending on the power. (laughs) But yes, it is a really, really good place to be. But no, I remember I I was hunting my open swings, going through my open swing reels. I'll take you guys on my video process. I'm the video guy here. So what I'll do is I will set up a camera down each line, or depending on what kind of cameras I have, I might move them, move one, but... Um, and I will get all the open swings. So I'll take two hours of a game, and I will condense it down to three minutes because depressingly that is how much action there is in two and a half hours of baseball sometimes um but i was going through them and i happened to notice there was one where sean murphy was trying to catch a guy stealing and he like threw from his knees and he fell over on his face and if you can can hear the ump in the background say he's out but it was and i put that it was like a two second gif on twitter it was was still a a one nine three throw or something crazy i mean maybe you can't you don't know where no no i know but the point is it went like it keeps getting retweets like yeah just it was just a stupid throwaway moment you can't even tell what happened but you can see the all-out effort and someone commented like oh he's the best defender at any position i've ever seen at any level maybe back it up a a little little bit bit of hyperbole (laughs) but no he's very very gifted uh you know no i'm not doing sean murphy like, like fun fact when he came here with Wright state to nc state i wrote pretty good feature on him nobody's ever read it it's never seen the light of day. Why it is just that? kept getting put, pushed back, and then the season was over, and he got hurt, and there was no time to run it. And it's probably still in Teddy's Gmail, <laughs> but it's it's there. <laughs> run it as a what a what if feature. Yeah. You know, one other guy that's intrigued me because uh, I am doing the Cardinal system is Oscar Mercado, a guy who was an infielder. It was once one of the he was one of the top shortstops 2013 draft class. Wasn't doing too hot in the infield. They moved him the outfield. All of a sudden, everything started to tick up. His outfield play was, as in a lot of ways, he's already become the best defensive outfielder in the Cardinal system. Uh, the concerns that evaluators had this year were they liked the strides he made with the bat. They were still concerned a little bit uh, about some of the swing and miss, some of his pitch recognition. He had 112 strikeouts to 32 walks. If you're going to be a leadoff center field type, that's not the ratio you want to see. He's gone out in the fall league, 11 strikeouts, 10 walks. So all of a sudden, if that strikes on recognition and that pitch recognition is tightened up we're talking about a different player yeah and if i remember if i'm remembering the correct open side guy pretty darn good bat speed pretty big time bat speed right he always had the raw tools he said okay i see bat speed i see really good advanced athletic instincts i see foot speed you see an arm it was all there just some of the hit ability well first of all when he was playing the infield playing shortstop was getting in his head it just wasn't working out but moving to the outfield with that natural athleticism flourish and again, you know, pitch recognition, using the whole field, strikes and discipline, they were all short. But what he's shown so far is, again, if he's closed that up, that's big. Uh, and really, I, I do think the guy I'm probably most excited to see, because I've never seen him before, is your boy Esteban Floreal. Let me rephrase. 
I saw him in the Futures game, but in terms of... And that was like two events. Right. I'm talking about really sitting down, kind of, you know, diving, drilling in on him. That's going to be a guy I'm going to be very interested to see. Yeah, no, I, I'm clearly the high guy on him in this office. Probably because I've seen him more than anybody, and I deal with, you know, I've probably done 10 calls on him uh, in the last week and a half, it seems like. Um, I was kind of stole it from me. I was going to ask you who you're most excited to see, but you stole it from me, Florial. How about a pitcher? You know, I've never seen Mitch Keller live, and I feel like that is... I saw Fall Stars game where you saw how silly his velocity comes and how easy that is. And even though his curveball, what they were saying on the broadcast, oh, it's not his best curveball. It's still something hitters couldn't do anything but hit straight into the ground. But did you notice something in on the Fall Stars game that you didn't like? Cause I yeah, the fastball command wasn't there. And why? To be honest, his release point was a little bit off at various points, but there's the stab. Mm-hmm. You know, again, he's young. I see fastball. I see breaking ball. I'm gonna, I'm gonna let him work through that. But again, it was two innings. TV. I'm gonna be really interested to see in person. You know, seeing, watching him throw. You know, open. Watching him throw level behind the plate. Seeing just how the pitch moves right when it comes in on the hitter. I'm really interested to see him just because he's a guy I've heard so much about. I, I'm, I want to see it for myself. I will say, if you're gonna see him. Try, I know you're there for a week. Try to avoid seeing him at Glendale because you are going well, to. Well, I'm not driving to Glendale. They can come to me in Scottsdale, baby. I'm All not right. driving 40 minutes to Glendale. I, I did that too much in college for uh, cheap Coyotes tickets. Well, that's not why. <laughs> but that drive is no, no fun. They can come to me. <laughs> we have different, we have different terms. <laughs> right, no, I'm staying up near Salt River, so I'll, uh, so stay in Salt River and Scottsdale as much as I can. I do. I am scheduled to go out to Peoria one day, which is the limits of my. Uh, you gotta remember, I drove all these cities in college a bunch. You, you gotta remember, I just put two thousand miles on a car in like a week and a half at the Fall League. Um, but uh, Josh and I are very different. Yes, yeah, so we're, we're very different. Like, like I go to the Fall League partially um, early because a I can get some instructs time in, and I would sit on backfields all day if I could. Those are really, really fun. You get to see, you know, the rawest of the raw, the babies in their uh, natural environment, in their playpens, <laughs> as it were. Um, That's not weird at all. Well, whatever. <laughs> um, and then you get to be around all the, all the charting pictures and all the personnel and all like that, all in one little controlled environment. But also, in the first week of the Fall League, they have day games and night games. In the week you're going, they don't have any night games that I... That uh, there's a Friday night game. There is one? Okay. Yeah. So... Um, but... but so there will be days where, since I'm also the video guy, and I'm trying and to get Thursday, as much as I'll, be, I'll be there Thursday night. Thursday nights and Friday night are night games, and I've okay. got day games the rest of the week. All right. But like there are days where I will do, like the last day of the Fall League I did this year, I went to Salt River in the morning to get their BP. And then I went to, where was the, I think it was Peoria, and then back to Mesa. So I got all three, all six teams in one day, and it was the second time I'd done that this, this Fall League. So I just went back and forth, back and forth, back and forth all day. And then my hotel was nowhere near any of the ballparks. So <laughs> See, I got a hotel right by Salt River Fields. I can get to Salt River and Scottsdale each within about 10, 15 minutes. And look, I, you know, we, we joke here, if there's somewhere I need to go, we'll get there. But uh, I, I schedule things intentionally to 
keep him within a semi-close radius as much as possible. I know. I <laughs> Josh, Josh is the guy who who will drive 12 hours to Florida. I'm the guy that says, no, I'm flying. No other way around. I will not drive. Well, I won't do it. I don't have to. I've been along for the 12-hour car rides to Florida, but I did not suggest didn't, that. Didn't, uh, you were up for, what, a t- 10- to 12-hour drive to Trenton? Is that what it was? Yeah, but that's a little different. That's a little... Um, that's a little harder to get to by plane without paying through the nose. Although, and we're getting way I, off track here, there is a direct from RDU to Trenton, um, which is pretty cool. But um, that was because I used to cover there, and I was going to see Glaber versus Devers in what turned out to be Glaber's last series with the Thunder, and right before he uh, blew out his elbow. Uh, but no, I'll, I'll drive all over like a crazy person. I put Hudson Belinsky, he used to be here was with me when I put the 100,000th mile on my car going to the Futures game in 2013 at Shea Stadium, or City Field. You drove to New York City? Well, from New Jersey. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. Not from here. No, gotcha. gotcha. <laughs> um, oh, fun times. Back to players. Um, um, well, we were pretty much wrapping this up, but yeah, you, you mentioned... Uh, I will say, you know, another guy, Jordan Hicks, big velocity guy who the numbers haven't lined up with the stuff. Again, I'm always fascinated to see, okay, where's, where's their shortcoming here? And also to see the stuff. It's supposed to be fantastic. Well, the stuff, I saw him break seven bats in one game and sheared them, like Rivera-type. And it was maybe five innings. And it's crazy because you you hear that, the reports are great, and then you see an 8.49 ERA, 17 hits allowed, and 11 and two-thirds, only 12 strikeouts, a whip near two. And again, even in Peoria this year, forgot with his stuff, the K rate was 7.3 per nine. No, no, he got, when I saw him in the fall league, he did not do well. He did better in the second inning, but the first inning, he had, for him, just nothing. It was not very good. So, you know, he's a guy, and the one guy that was kind of, I don't want to say a mystery guy to me, but he's interesting. J.D. Hammer, who was part of the trade that went from uh, the Rockies to the Phillies mm-hmm. for Pat Neshek. This was a guy who, as I was doing all my Cal League calls, was getting some best fastball votes ahead of Yadier Alvarez. It was 99. At the time, I was hearing 99. It seems like the fall league, it's been 95 to 6. Yeah, and I saw him but, in Clearwater too, and it was, you know, 95 to 7. But, see how it plays. 10 in the third innings, two hits, no runs, four walks, 10 Ks. The fastball plays better than, say, Yadier Alvarez's at similar velocities. And I think, I'm interested to see what you say, but I think a lot of it is because of deception in his delivery. And it, I'll be curious because by the time I got out there, when I went out there to Lancaster, when I went out there for the Cali, he didn't pitch when I saw him at Lancaster, and then um, then he got traded, so didn't get a chance to get that good look at him. But again, just just one of those names that's not a top tier name, but I've heard enough that I'm curious, and that's what the, that's you know honestly for me in the fall league, it's a chance to see the stars, but I also really like finally guys. Hey, this guy can legit play. And just because he's not getting the most love in the world, I think it's still it's it's a good way to kind of vet those guys. Last year for me, there was a guy like Andrew Stevenson, mm-hmm. who I'd saw in the Cal League All Star game, had having never heard of him. Then I saw him again in the fall league. I'm like, this guy's gonna get to the majors, and guess what? He got to the majors. Sometimes those are fun, and just see what all the kids can do. Yeah, no, it was, the fall league is the best. There's some guys who are suspects, but they're mostly prospects out there. You're gonna see big time velocity. You're gonna have you know really. Uh, close-knit environment not too many fans come uh, it's my favorite place in the world and i'm really jealous that you're going again i would very clearly take your spot and go back there and reacquaint myself if anyone wants to come say hi uh you can find me at scottsdale stadium thursday night uh, this is my plan flying in on thursday check into my hotel first stop oregano's 
Yeah, then, um, and then we Scottsdale have different stadium. We have different food things too. Uh, I went. I was there for two weeks for for Friday lunch. Will be DeFalco's Italian. I got I got them all. I went to Instructs. Like I said, I went to Instructs in the Folly. I ate at YC's Mongolian Grill. I think twelve times, maybe fourteen. It was a lot. It's a nice spot for. I, I couldn't do it that much. Uh, but yeah, I'll be DeFalco's, and then got to do breakfast at Chompy's. I. They actually, you know, it's funny, you mentioned two places that have provided the press box spread for Fall League games this year. Chompies and DeFalco's. Score. Yes. Um, <laughs> I never went to either of those places um, lot, lot of, off, lot of... off an actual game, because breakfast is always a hotel breakfast. I don't deviate. Um, even though it's not very good. But <laughs> it's, it saves... It's it's free. This, it is. So this is now the Kyle and Josh Arizona Travel Tip Show, everybody. Yeah, no, no, I think I think that's valuable with two weeks left in the season. Um, but yeah, for for uh, for Kyle Glazer, this is Josh Norris, and let me close you out here. I'm saying this special edition of the podcast of the Arizona Fall League is sponsored by Bowman, the first place to find the game's future stars. Visit tops.com for the latest news on Bowman baseball trading cards. Once again, for Kyle Glazer, this is Josh Norris saying goodbye. This concludes our program. Want more in-depth baseball coverage? Be a better fan. Visit BaseballAmerica.com to get more comprehensive baseball coverage.